Good morning again, everyone. It's come time now for uh, us to look at the Word of God this morning. As I mentioned to you a few moments ago, we are in Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 30 today, living worthy of the gospel of Christ, living worthy of the gospel of Christ. We finish up chapter 1 today, and uh, we've seen a lot of things happen thus far. And we've been looking at this from the context of why Paul has been writing this book, this letter to the church at Philippi. Paul's been in prison. He is in prison as he writes the letter. He's gone through a lot of hardship to get him in prison for the sake of the gospel. He's proclaimed the gospel. He's gone through a lot for the sake of the gospel. And as he's writing this letter, although his circumstances have been rough, he has joy and he rejoices and he's encouraging the church at Philippi to continue moving forward in the spread of the gospel, making sure that they have the gospel above all things, as we talked about last week, above themselves, above everything and then beyond for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of people coming to hear and know and respond to the gospel of Christ. Now today, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, we're going to see this verse 27 being the main thesis of the letter, the reason why Paul is writing. You know, two weeks ago when Paul wrote, he, he has this joyful thanksgiving towards the church at Philippi, and he's telling them how thankful to God he is for them. And then last week, we saw how the gospel comes above all things. Well, in what we see today, Paul is saying, because of what I have told you, this is how you live it out. This is what you must do in order to have the gospel above all things. And so with that said, let's stand together one last time as we honor the reading of God's word, starting in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. The word of the Lord says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Verse 30, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that on a, on a cold, damp day, with colder weather coming, Lord, we have a place that we can come in. We can come inside and we can hear your word proclaimed. Lord, we can come in and we can sing songs of, of praise to you and exalt the name of Christ. And Lord, we do not take it for granted. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have to do so. And Father, I, I pray now, Lord, as your word is proclaimed, that you would be with me, that I would proclaim it in a, in a bold way for your glory, Father. Lord, that it would be nothing of myself, it would be all of you, that you would speak during this time. Father, that you would be glorified right now in this place. Father, we pray, Lord, that every distraction would fade away. Satan and his demons are bound for they have no authority here. Lord, you alone are sovereign God. You alone reign. And Lord, we come in this place, I pray, Lord, expectant to hear from you. To see what it is that you have for us, Lord, individually and corporately as a congregation. Lord, my prayer is that we would be obedient to that. That we would step out in faith and that we would trust you in and through all things for the glory of God. We love you, Father. We praise you and we bless you in Christ's name. Amen. 
You may be seated. All right. <clears throat> you may notice in your bulletins that you got this morning that these are a little bit different now. We've, you don't have a separate handout. You've got it right there on the back of the bulletin, and the, they're listed right there for you as far as the notes go. Uh, so th- today we're going to see how the Apostle Paul is reminding the Philippians, these believers, to live lives worthy, to live their lives worthy of the gospel of Christ because of their calling and regardless of whatever they may face. So looking at the notes and looking at the main points, the first thing is this. Live worthy because of your citizenship. Live worthy because of your citizenship. Now, look at the first part of verse 27. He says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. You see in your notes I put 27a. That just stands for the first part of that verse. Paul's expressing to the Philippians to live their lives as citizens, yes, of where they are currently, but to remember who they are in Christ. To remember what their ultimate citizenship is as citizens of heaven. Now, we've seen in other places in Scripture, I'm just going to give you two quick examples, other places in Scripture as Paul is writing, where he is addressing this matter of living worthy. Colossians 1.10, for example, says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Another area where he's writing to the church at Thessalonica in 2.12, he says, We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Why does Paul say this phrase of walking or living your life in a manner worthy of the gospel? Paul's later deliberately going to address the fact that We're citizens of heaven for those of us in Christ that know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But here he's highlighting the fact that believers are to be set apart and they are to live a life worthy of the gospel. Plain and simple. In this, in this church, I've got it on my phone, on my Google Maps. I, I have everybody that's a part of our, our church family in the directory, and I've saved all your addresses in there, and it's really cool to be able to look on there um, for the purpose of seeing where our church family is all over the map. And I know that that map, there are many of us that are in Charleston County, Berkeley County, Dorchester. We're spread all around and further. And so we are citizens of different counties, if you will, different cities. In this country, we are citizens of the United States of America. We have freedom. And those are all great things. But ultimately, for us that are in Christ, our citizenship is eventually for the future in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We, are, we have eternal homes, eternal destinations for us. But while we are here in this world right now, as citizens of heaven, yes, we are still citizens of the areas in which God has us and we live. So we are to walk and live our lives in those areas in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. We are to live our lives set apart as Christians for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's addressed over the last week. That the gospel must come above all things. The gospel must come above our circumstances and ourselves. No matter what we face, the gospel has to be above all of those things. And in order to do that, we must live our lives set apart. We must live our lives in a way that brings God glory. That is why we live the way we do as Christians. 
That is why when we are convicted of the sin that we have, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and that we must repent of. We must put it away and we must flee from it. That is why we must be honest with finances and things of that nature. That is why. Not just because it's the right thing to do, it's because we are Christians. We are set apart by God. We have been saved by the blood of Christ that was shed for us at Calvary. Jesus suffered and died and took on God's wrath in our place so that we could have the hope of eternal life forever. Because we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. That is why we are called to do so. That is why we are to live our lives worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because of what our citizenship is in heaven. That is why we are to live that way. The second part of 27 is so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your standing firm in spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of not only are we to live because of our citizenship in a worthy way, but we must, number two, live worthy because of our calling. Live worthy because of your calling. Now, in that second part of 27 that I just read, if you recall with me from last week, or if you look back in your Bibles right now at 25, this, one, this one's not on the screen, but it just says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy in the faith. Paul is saying, I know that God is going to deliver me because it's for your sake that I stay alive, that I am still here. And Paul was giving that back and forth about living or dying and the fact that dying would be better for him because he would be with Christ. But he knows for the sake of the Philippians, he needs to stay alive to lead them and to guide them. Well, here, coming up on a follow up to that, Paul is establishing to them the fact that whether I do come and see you, or whether I am absent, that I may hear that you are standing firm. That you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul's saying, whether I see you or I hear from you or I hear about you, I, I, I know that if you're living this way, I will hear of what you are doing. And that God will be glorified for it. He says there, that first part says, standing firm in one spirit. The one spirit for us, it is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of us believers. It is what convicts us of the sin when we are tangled up in it. It is what we are all common as followers of Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells us. How incredible. Have you ever stopped to think about that? The room this size and the people in this room that know Christ, yet the Holy Spirit dwells in each and every one of us. It's just the amazing, powerful work of God that our God would see fit to send us a helper and the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us so that as we come to him in his word, as we pray to him, the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us so that as we pray those prayers and Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father intercedes on our behalf. It's so beautiful. This is one spirit that we all are a part of. He's writing to the Philippians, but this, this is for us as well. 
God has preserved his word so that as we can stand here or sit here in your, in your, in your case on January 19th of 2020, we can still sit here and we can look at the word of God that is before us and God still speaks to us through his word because it is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank God for his word. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul's telling the Ephesians there the same thing that he's getting to with the Philippians. I want you to live your lives in this way, standing firm in one spirit. Well, here in our passage we're looking at now, continuing in 27, it says also of one mind. One mind. It is that we are all, as believers, of the same mind. We all have the one faith that we cling to, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news for us. Thank God for the gospel. The gospel very clearly, it just translates as good news. It is the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And we praise God that we have that. We as believers, as the church at Holmes Avenue Baptist Church, we must all be of one mind. We must all be unified as one as we strive forward for the sake of the gospel. That's why we, we plan to have a, just where we can all sit down and, and fellowship with each other and grow deep in our relationship with one another. Where we all look around at each other and we see, man, this is my family. This is my family. These are the people that I will stand side by side with as the enemy attacks and we will move forward for the sake of the gospel. This is us. Continuing on, it says side by side. Think of it this way. You guys have seen impressive battle scenes that have played out on movies. You've seen where the armies would line up side by side. If any of you are a, are a huge comic book fan, if you've seen the Avengers, there's that epic battle scene of the movie where all of the heroes line up and Captain America stands there and he says, Avengers, assemble. And you're like, yes, get them. It's that beautiful picture of this team coming together and they're side by side and they're going at Thanos and his army. And they're ready to attack and they're ready to fight for what is right. Think of that in a spiritual sense. We as the church at Holmes Avenue, we stand side by side with one another. We stand side by side as we go and we fight against the attacks of the enemy. Because the enemy wants nothing more than to see the doors of this church closed. The enemy wants to see nothing more than the people of this community to not hear the gospel. The enemy wants nothing more than to hear that Holmes Avenue has disbanded. There's nothing else for them to do. And so be it. So nobody right around here can hear the gospel and come to know Jesus. The enemy wants that so badly. And he will press and press and attack left and right. We must stand firm. We must stand side by side for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and live our lives in a worthy manner so that God be glorified, the gates of hell be charged, and we say come and hear what God has done and see people move from death into life.
must be our charge. We must stand side by side for the sake of the gospel. One mind, one spirit, one faith, the gospel above all, press forward. Whatever you want to throw in me, throw it. We will stand against it. And my prayer for you is that if you are not of that mind, pray that God would give you that mindset. Because I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young in the faith you may feel that you are. I don't care how young, period, you think you are. Each and every one of us are members of the body of Christ. Each and every one of us come together and are used by God for the sake of the gospel. Even if we can't physically do things, even if we can't give up as much time as possible, we can still do something. That's one of the reasons why, and you, you hear it again and again like I'm a broken record, but that is why we all, in one accord, I pray, come before the Lord daily at 10.02 at least and pray as a congregation no matter where we are across the city. And we cry out to God and we ask him that he would bless the ministry of what we're trying to do. That we would all, in our study into the word of God, would come before the Lord before we open our Bible. Lord, speak to me, transform me, so that I can grow deeper in my knowledge of you, so that I can be equipped and ready as I stand firm with my brothers and sisters for the sake of the gospel. That must be our heart's cry. That must be our prayer. Look at 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Paul's telling the Philippians to not be frightened. There is no need to be afraid in the midst of persecution or attacks because the Lord is with them. It is a clear message that will be sent to those who persecute the Philippians because he says there in 28 to not be frightened by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. Because God fights for them. The Lord God fights for us. When the enemy attacks, he is with us. He is with us. I say, well, Brian, it doesn't feel like it in the moment. The enemy can spit so many lies at us to where we think, man, God has abandoned me. But that is the furthest thing from the truth possible. He has never abandoned you. He will never forsake you. He will be with you always. He tells the disciples before he ascends into heaven, when he gives the great commission, he says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. No matter what we've done, no matter how big of a sin we feel that we've committed against him, if you have been saved by the blood of Jesus, by his grace and mercy that's been given to you, have no fear. He is with you. He will always be with you. No matter what the enemy lies to you about, no matter what persecution may come your way, and we might not feel any kind of real persecution like the churches are facing across the globe right now, but you never know what could happen. When people can walk into a church service and start to shoot, that's persecution because they don't want to see Christians living. There are all kinds of persecution that we can face. 
And the enemy delights in that. But we must stand firm against it. We must remember that he is with us. Always. No matter how difficult the situation may be. No matter how deep the suffering may be. These, this last verse of 27, the last bit of it, and, and 28 combined, I'm reminded so much of the Exodus account. When Moses is standing before the people of Israel and he says in 14.13 of Exodus, Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And we know the story. Moses wasn't lying. The salvation of the Lord was present for them right then and there. Fear not, Holmes Avenue. Fear not. As you live, as we live our lives in obedience to God, surrender to him, and we seek to go outside of the walls of this place and engage with people that are far from God and maybe even close to us or even by geographically, they're right here at our doorstep. The enemy is going to throw every single lie possible at us to say that we can't get the gospel to them. He's going to say that you are not equipped enough to present the gospel to them. You don't know to present the gospel to them. You're not a theologian. That's reserved for Brian, Walter, Michael, the deacons, the rest of the ministry staff. You can't do that. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You can you can, because you know the God that saved you just as much as I do. You know what he has done in your life. You know that he has transformed you and made you new because of the blood of his son that was shed at Calvary. You know that. Stand firm in it. Trust him. And every opportunity that he lays before you, before you even walk into it, pray for wisdom. Pray that he would give you exactly what is needed to be said. You've heard me say it before. You get in a moment like that or you're getting, you get so deep into a conversation with someone and they ask some really deep questions. And you probably, and sometimes if you've been there, you probably sit there and you feel like you're a deer in headlights. You're like, uh, I don't know how to respond to that. The worst thing that you can do is just to throw an answer out there. Just be honest and say, you know what? I hadn't thought of it that way. Let me, let me go back and study God's word. Let me get some counsel and I'll bring it back to you. That will go miles long to that person and will see that you are genuine in your presentation of the gospel and that they're just not a number that you're trying to reach. And they'll see that they are valued by you. And they'll see that you want to make sure that you are giving them truth. But in those moments, even in the most easy of moments that God just lays before you just like a little softball toss. Stand firm. Be bold. And lovingly present the gospel. I'm telling you, church, if we all, if we all just in, in those easy moments that God gives to us, would be to step out in faith and say, Lord, I may not get comfortable in this moment, but I'm going to trust you that you are making this way for me to be able to say these things. I'm going to trust that you're going to give me the opportunity, the wisdom. Give it to me, Father. He's with you. 
He's with you. Somebody in this place needs to know today, he is with you. Always. Always. The third thing we see is to live worthy even in suffering. Live, uh, live worthy even in suffering. Look at 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. You read that verse, you're like, well, that doesn't sound peachy. That doesn't sound good. We've been granted salvation, but also suffering? Why would Paul say that suffering has been granted to us like a free gift that we'd want? The suffering should be expected for us as followers of Christ. The suffering should be expected because we stand for and serve Christ. I just told you how the enemy wants nothing more than to see us quit. He wants nothing more to see us throw in the towel and say, I can't do this no more. But if we stand firm for Jesus Christ, we stand firm for the one who conquered death. We stand firm for the one that no other religion can proclaim because no other religion has their God that defeated death and raised to new life on the third day. No other religion. No other thing is truth like that of the gospel. So when we stand for this Jesus, the one who the enemy does not want proclaimed, the one that the enemy wants you to abandon, you better believe that there is some kind of suffering and persecution that is coming. And it can look like a lot of different things. But you must remember that because we are his, we are experiencing this suffering. But again, he is with us. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, Not only so, but also glory in your sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love that verse. Because I love the way in which Paul says it. God's love has been poured out into us by the Holy Spirit. We walk around with the indwelling love of God. It's so beautiful that we have that. But in our sufferings, Paul says that we are to glory into them. We are to rejoice in them because they produce the perseverance which produces character and character hope. And it does not put us to shame. We're not put to shame because of it, because of what God has given to us. We're going to suffer at certain times in our lives. But we can see by what Paul has just said in Romans 5, that it produces good in our lives to shape us more and more to be like Christ. You might say, well, Brian, you don't understand how I feel or you don't understand the things that I've gone through. No, you're right. I don't know exactly the feelings that you've experienced. I have felt suffering in my life. 
And I can just attest to what I have experienced in my life. And the one thing that I have continually been reminded of in my short 32 years of this life is that no matter what I have faced, no matter what I have gone through, no matter what sufferings I've experienced, there's been one constant reminder continually through each and every one of those is that God has not gotten off of his throne. He has not stopped being the sovereign God over all things. So even in the midst of how difficult they are, cling to the fact that the sovereign God of this world reigns on his throne and it doesn't surprise him what you're going through or what you will go through. does not surprise him. And he is there for you throughout the entire process, even to the end, because he's with you always to the end of the age. Thank God for that promise that we have. Please also make note of the fact of what Christ says for those who suffer for the sake of Christ. Listen to Matthew 5 from the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus is saying, blessed be you. But he says also in verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is saying there in that passage, hey, if you're persecuted for my sake, for my name, because of you standing for me, just like Paul was, understand that you're in good company. Because the prophets who prophesied about me, they went through it. Paul, as we see in the word of God that we have before us, just like we see with the prophets, Paul suffered for the sake of Christ. So whereas we might not be faced right now with persecution of potential death or even imprisonment, you may be faced with the fact that someone may hate you because you are a Christian. Someone may throw your name through the mud because you are a Christian. Someone may do whatever, fill in the blank, because you stand for Christ. I would encourage you with is do not, do not back down though. Don't do that. When you're faced with that persecution, when you're faced with that hardship, whatever it is, remember to rejoice because you're standing up for Christ Jesus who defeated the grave and who is with you. Remember that. Cling to that. 30, Paul ends this section by saying, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. I'm saying you, you've heard it, that I've gone through it. And now you're seeing from my writing that I'm still going through it. But what does Paul continually do? Preaches joy and rejoicing and moving forward for the sake of the gospel. This is the guy who, while he's locked up, is thanking God because it worked out for the good because the gospel got to the whole imperial guard. What a kingdom mindset that is. So be encouraged, church. Be encouraged to remember your citizenship and live worthy of that. 
Remember, church, to live worthy because of your calling as a follower of Christ. And remember also to live worthy even in suffering. Live in a way that glorifies God even in the difficult times of suffering and persecution that will come. Ben, you can come forward. All these ways, church, because it is all for the sake of the glory of God. It is all for the name above all names, King Jesus, who died for you, who died for me. So if you're in this room and you are a follower of Christ, and you say, man, I've had it really rough. I've had it really hard. And it's really difficult for me right now to stand and say that I'm going to live worthy for the gospel of Christ. Let me know and I will pray for you any way that I can. And we will come alongside of you and minister to you and try to help you any way possible to help you feel like you're at a place where you can do that. We want to equip you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. And if you're here and you know Jesus, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've continually mentioned today about Jesus and his blood and and, and his death on the cross and raising to new life on the third day. That is the gospel. You and I were sinners, still are sinners, by the way, are sinners separated from God, but thank God for us in Christ. We're covered by his grace and mercy. We're considered righteous now because of Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, your sin separates you from God. And there needs to be a redemption process that happens, and that is Jesus. When Jesus went to that cross and he died on that cross, before he died, God's wrath was poured out on him. That wrath was reserved for Stephen Brian Eyre. That wrath was reserved for you. But God, being rich in his mercy, poured out that wrath on Jesus. Jesus died, was taken off that cross, but three days later, just as the prophecy said, he raised to new life on the third day and he's ascended at the right hand of God Almighty, interceding saints, and will do so until the day of Christ when he returns. If you don't know Jesus, come and talk to me. Pull me aside afterwards. Let me go deeper in telling you about him so that you can know the greatest life-changing thing possible. That is a relationship with Christ Jesus, our Lord. The band is going to sing. Before they do, let's pray. Father God, I pray now, Lord, during this time of invitation, Lord, that if you are moving in the hearts of people here today right now, Lord, whether believer or not, and they need prayer, they have questions, Father, I pray, Lord, that in boldness they would step out in faith, whether coming forward now to talk to me or talking to me afterwards, Lord, this, this walking down to me has nothing to do with it. It's just an opportunity for them to come and talk now if they want to. Lord, I just pray, God, that your will be done in this, that you would be glorified above all things. In the strong name of Christ, we pray. Amen.